The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. That's what the, we're going to be talking about today. And, okay, let's just be honest, okay, for just a second. Everybody who has stressed out or worried this week about gas in one form or another, raise your hand. Okay, is it because of something you ate or we're talking about at the gas station? I didn't clarify. Always ask for clarification. This whole church has got gas stress right now. Turn on the fans and open the doors. Okay, so we know, okay? You know what, look around, it's... Lots of people have that same stress, right? How many of you have gone to buy some food and decided not to purchase it because the price on that particular food item has gone up too much? Okay. How many of you have turned on the news and started to watch the news and then thought, oh, my word, I need to start drinking again. I'm getting out of here. Anybody thought that? I would never think that, but I thought about taking communion a few extra times at home by myself. Uh, I was just like, no, I can't do it. Life out there is a little bit crazy, okay? And I know that. I see that. I feel that, just like you do. Just I'm a pastor does not mean that I don't see it. Just because you're a believer doesn't mean that your eyes are blind to the reality of some of the stresses going on in life. They're there. Everybody sees them. It's costing me like two and a half times more to fill my gas tank. We were going through the store, and we went to Sam's Club, the cheapest place to buy snacks, and we walked up. Carrie says, go get some chips. I'm like, yeah, I'll go grab them. I walk up to get the chips, and it's that bag that has, like, all the different kinds in there, little Cheetos, Doritos, Funyuns, all that type of stuff. I go to grab it. Those are $7.99. I go to grab it, and I don't even look at I'm because I'm just, I go to grab it, throw it in the thing, and she goes, put them back. I'm like, we need to put them back. I look up, and they're $20, $18.99, the same bag, 30 little snack bags of chips. Like, well, we're all getting healthier now. And not because we can afford to buy vegetables. We're just not going to eat much, right? We're like downsizing. And so it's just the truth. And so the message today is not about ignoring that. It's not about height. It's not about saying, oh, man, God's just great. Everything's fantastic. Everything's wonderful. Um, God is great, and he is wonderful. But sometimes the world is the world, and we live in it, right? And it's a little bit wild. It's a little bit crazy. So we're going to dive into kind of an invitation that Jesus gives in a similar environment. And so he comes in and he says uh, to different people, follow me. And so here's some people that he talked to. He talked to a doctor, and that's Luke, who became a disciple. Luke was a physician. He talks to him. He says, hey, come follow me. And he says, you know, come and do that. And he is going to teach him about real health, something even greater than the physical body, right? He talks to a traitor, Right? Whatever political side you're on, right? you think, I'm sure the other side's a total traitor. Right? Most people do, and that's fine. Uh, I won't tell you which side I'm on, um, because I want everyone to stay here for today at the moment. But you know, that person's a traitor. Well, do you know what Jesus did? Is he called a traitor to come follow him. He called Matthew. Matthew's a tax collector. He, he was collecting tax from his own people, a Jew collecting tax from Jews. He was taking their money and giving it to the Romans and, and kind of representing them and oppressing his own people. And Jesus comes and says, hey, follow me. There's a freedom fighter who'd been on the opposite side. And that was uh, Simon the Zealot. The Bible talks about Jesus calling him. 
And his vision was that he was going to reestablish just the, the whole reign of King David, the whole reign and the throne, and that all that was going to happen. And he was part of a group that was trying to get that put back together. And Jesus says, you know what? I got a greater kingdom. Come follow me. Come and, and, and be my follower. I'm going to teach you something new. There's businessmen. Anybody in here own a business? We were entrepreneurs and business owners for 20 years. There's businessmen just trying to make a living, just trying to do their thing and get by. Just trying to make it, struggling, not catching fish, having a hard time, just getting some money to come through. In the middle of that stress and struggle, and they've got family to take care of at home, Jesus comes and he says, hey, follow me. Right? He's throwing out this invitation with all of these things going on, which are similar to what we face. There was a tormented woman who was facing all types of torments in her life. The Bible says she had demons living in her. She was uh, cursed and all these things are going on in her life. And he comes and he says, you know what? Follow me. I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you purpose. Just come and, and follow me. I'm going to do this. And so Jesus walks into an environment that really is similar to ours. We have people that we'd consider traitors or other people that consider us traitors. We have people that are trying to fight for freedom. We have people that are trying to just survive and make money in their business. We have people that feel tormented every day by any type of mental health issue or emotional health issue or spiritual oppression, but they're going through all these struggles. And in the midst of all of that, the Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the midst of all of that, I'm going to share with you today the same invitation that he shared all those years ago, which is to come follow me. But we're going to dive into what that means in a deeper way. So to follow is to go behind someone that precedes you, but check this out, it's to join him as his attendant. That's what the word actually means. To actually stay close to somebody, not just following from a distance and kind of seeing what goes on. Oh, I like where they're going. I think I'm going to go that way. It's not like that. It's not like me following Carolyn in the car, right? She's driving. I'm like, I'm going to follow her. Well, I can get to the same place she's going maybe, but it's deeper than that. It's getting in the car and being close so that when she needs something, I can help. So I can stop, the person in front of you stopping. Use your blinker. Like I can be an assistant and try to help her. Anybody assist your driver that way? Right? Do like a backseat driver, side seat driver. Like it seems like when I drive my car, everybody can drive except for the driver. That's the only person not allowed to drive. And so isn't it true? I had somebody, I'm not going to say who, they're not here today, um, but their wife is here today, but I still won't say who. Um, their initials are JK, but I still won't say who. <laughs> I was driving on old settlers to church, and they were riding with me, and my son was there. He's a witness. And this person says, uh, are you going to slow down? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Everybody says that about my driving. And I said, what do you mean? I look at the speedometer. I'm going 60, which is not bad. Mope, there are mopeds that go 60. I'm going 60, basically moped speed. In a car, that's pretty soft speed, which is fine. You know, that's what, I'll slow down. I need to slow down. Amen. Praise the Lord. But the same person that I won't mention texted me a picture a week later of a speedometer that showed 104 on a freeway driving home from out of town. And the wife, who's of the man that I won't mention, is nodding her head back there by the door, <laughs> saying, yes, that's a true story. 
So people can tell you what to do, but they're not even doing it themselves, right? <laughs> but to be an attendant is to walk with somebody close enough that you can actually be of assistance to help them, to give back to them. And that's what this talking about. Jesus said, come follow me. Stay this close so that when there's things that I'm doing and maybe I want you to participate in, you're close enough to be part. That's what I want you to do. And so his invitation to follow is that close and intimate of an invitation. And what did he invite him to? He invited him to a different way to live. In the midst of all this stuff going on, political unrest, financial hardship, uh, all these things that are happening, he says, you know what, just stay close to me. And what people were looking for, it says in 1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 20, at the time what people were looking for is they were looking for signs of power because they were struggling or they were looking for wisdom. Does that sound anything like today? People want something power, either a powerful, powerful political thing or a powerful uh, personal thing or some kind of, I need power in order to be able to make change, right? Or some kind of wisdom, like we just need to find the right solution. If we can find the right solution, we can fix it. That's what we can do. We can pass another law, change another thing, find another solution. Everybody's looking for these two things today, just like they were looking for these types of things back then. But here's what the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians. He says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. So it's two different parties. There's ones who already thought that they were following God and knew God, and, and they were. Um, but they were looking for a powerful uh, political savior to come and save them and take back over the kingdom. And then there was also the Greeks who just wanted wisdom. They didn't want anything politically to change. They wanted wisdom and had to just do life better. And he says, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. So the people that wanted the, the power, it was foolishness. And it was also foolishness to the people that wanted wisdom. To both of them, they're like, this doesn't make sense. This isn't an answer. Some guy comes and dies. This is not an answer. And it says, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. So in the life of Jesus, we see this answer. He says, come follow me. And this is going to be the answer. But it wasn't just about salvation. A lot of times we think, oh, follow Jesus means I believe in Jesus, I'm saved, I go to heaven, boom, I did it. But that's not the whole deal. He's actually talking about following his teachings, following the way he lives. And so when you look at that, he says, come and follow me, there's a different way to live. And he starts out in Mark 1.15, he says, if you will repent and believe. So what does the word repent there mean? The word there actually means changing after being with. We think, because we shorten it down, repent just means you're doing something wrong, stop doing it, do something right. Right? Did you repent? Yes, I did. I'll no longer drive 60 in a 45. I repented. I slowed down. That's not all it's talking about. It's talking about something much more personal and intimate than that. It actually means to change after being with, literally to think differently afterwards. So in other words, Jesus is saying, do you know what? Come and follow me, and as you walk with me and live with me, guess what's going to happen? You're going to think differently. You're going to see life differently. And as you think and see life differently, you will begin to change and you will begin to do things differently. This is what he's inviting people into. 
It's not just a command from afar. Hey, stop doing that. Hey, I came all the way from heaven to stand here and point at you across the way and say, stop it. I see you looking at that lady. Stop it, sicko. I see you yelling at your, I see you yelling at your spouse. Stop. He wasn't just up there just shouting out commands. He said, you know, come and walk with me, live with me. We're going to walk this out, and I'm going to show you a different way to live, a different way to see things. It's kind of like moving to Texas. We moved from the Northwest. Anybody else a transplant from somewhere else and moved to Texas? I think everybody is, right? I don't think anybody was born in Texas. Everybody I meet, like, we got a cut. Born, you weren't born in Texas, were you? And then you left and came back. Okay, they leave and come back. Gordon, were you born and raised and stayed here forever? Oh, let's give Stosh and Gordon a hand. They're the only ones ever. Were you two? And Christopher. Christopher was. We have three in this place. Four, five, six. Okay, now everybody's jumping on the bandwagon. I want to see birth certificates. I don't believe this. Everybody's jumping on. Once they heard there was applause for it, everybody's like, oh, me too. Me too. I'll take it. But once you move to Texas, right, everybody moves, you know, you become a Texan. You know you're truly Texan, right? You change by being with, right? You know it when you start telling everybody, don't move to Texas. Don't move to Texas. Mess up Texas. And you actually moved to Texas, right? Or when you can have tacos for all three meals. And you think it was well-rounded, right? Like, what's for breakfast? Tacos. We should go to lunch. What do you want to get some tacos? Come over for dinner tonight. We're having tacos. We just ate tacos. No, those were breakfast tacos. This is different. I had a brisket breakfast I can't even say it. Brisket breakfast taco this morning. But guess what? You can have a brisket taco for dinner. But you know what? I had a breakfast taco, I guess. But you know your text when that happens. Why you move here? And the other, another thing you can realize, you know what? I've changed by being with. I'm different. Is that you actually call meat sauce chili. That's all that's in it. There's meat. There's sauce. In Texas, they call that Chili. Every other place on the planet requires some beans and vegetables and different things are mixed in, right? We moved here. I went to a chili festival in Pflugerville. We went with, uh, there's a few people there with us, and we're wandering around, and it's like, we just moved here, and it's downtown Pflugerville, and we're walking through, and we're going to all these things, and somebody's like, here's a bowl of chili. And I grab it, I go to take a bite out, and it's like, it's just meat sauce, I'm like, okay, I take a bite, go to the next place. I'm like, all right, what you got? And pl- it's meat sauce, like the whole way around. And I'm like, this is not even, this is, I thought this was a chili festival. And somebody's like, this is chili. This is chili. I'm like, okay, I guess. Maybe with meat prices going up, Texans will start to have beans in their chili a little bit. But everywhere else, there's a mix. But you know you've changed and you've kind of become Texan when somebody has beans in your chili and you're like, what's wrong with this chili? This is not chili, right? This is bean soup. You start to change. Why? You didn't try to, but you're being with. You're with Texans. You're in the area, and you're just like, oh, I'm changing. Jesus was saying, come be with me, and I'm going to change how you think. I'm going to change how you live. I'm going to change how you are. And this was the invitation that he was giving people. And not only is he giving that to them, but Jesus said that as the Father sent me in the world, so I send you. Right? And so the idea and the plan that he left behind was... Not that we stand on a ledge and yell at people, hey, change. Hey, change. But we're supposed to do the same thing he did, which is we're supposed to call people to be in our lives, 
to be in relationship with us, to spend time with them, and by being with them and modeling a different way to live, that they slowly begin to go, do you know what? That's a better way for me to live. It happened for me. When I gave my life to the Lord, a guy took me under his wing and said, hey, just come spend time with me. He said, I'm going to disciple you. Come on over to the house. Be here at 10 o'clock on Saturday. I go over there at 10 o'clock on Saturday. I think we're going to do something really like st- study and like disciple Like, I don't know. We get in the car and we run errands all day. I'm like, what are we doing? He's like, oh, I thought we'd spend time together. You said you had nothing to do today. I'm like, well, I didn't mean like nothing to do. Like I'm going to waste my time driving around just in your car. But I watched, you know, I learned how to live. I go to a hardware store and you wait more than five minutes and he's not yelling at somebody, asking for a manager. Give me a manager, I'm mad, I've been here five minutes. I'm Andy Elliott. And that's how I was, like that angry person. Everything was a problem. And so I watch him, he just lives nicely. He hugs people, smiles at people, asks their name. I'm like, that's kind of weird. I could try that. I just started learning slowly to just live differently. Because he invited me into his life to do that. And God calls us to do the same type of thing. And so another thing that he does, besides calling them to follow and repent and live closely, another different way to live is that he speaks the truth in love. And he does that by actually living with them. So Jesus answered in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me or comes to the Father except through me. But then in John 1 John 4, 16, he says, God is love, and who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. So he's saying, hey, you come through me, and what is he? God is love. He's love. He lived his life in love. He spoke in love. He ministered in love. He did all these things. So if you think about that, the Bible talks about speaking the truth in love. Everybody loves to say that. Everybody loves to say, well, I told him the truth, but I told him I love him. That's why I told it to him. Anybody have anybody in their life like that? Is it the person next to you? Is it? person next to you that does that are you that person you're always speaking the truth to somebody and the lady you go yeah I told him how it was but I did it in love because I love him yeah I told him okay here's what it's talking about okay I brought this I brought this Kleenex up okay this right here slid can you see that okay take this okay this right here is truth okay and this is, well, I said that backwards. This is love. This is truth, okay? So I'm going to speak the truth in love, okay? So is that in love? Is that in love? On love. On love. Who said that? There we go. Boom. Smart man right there. Has my name, too. Andy. That's probably why he jumped on that so fast. Boom. We just nailed it. That's on love. It's not in love, Right? So if you wanted to get the truth, and it's just on love, and you wanted to get the truth, right? You can just go right to the truth, right? But if it's in love, okay, that's in, right? And you want to get to the truth, how are you going to get it? You got to unwrap it. What do you got to go through to get there? Love. Okay, what he's talking about, the truth not on love, not the truth with love, not the truth because of love. I gave him the truth because I love him. The truth in love. In other words, we're giving people truth, and he's giving us truth, but it's actually in love. Which means in order for them to get to that truth, they have to first go through your love. They have to actually get through your love first. 
Well, how are you going to do that? That means you got to lead with love. That means you got to connect with people in love. Not just, well, I love you and here's truth. You actually got to love people and as they are working through the love, you know, how many licks does it take to get the center of a Tootsie Pop? More than three. How many, how, many, how many licks does it take for somebody to get to the truth in your, that you have to share with them? Just one little instance and then boom, you're like, here comes the truth. God's calling us to have some love surrounding our truth. And it takes people a little while to get to it. Why? Because they got to get through the love that we have in our heart for them first. Relationship. relationship. I love you. I'm connected to you. I care about you. No matter what. It's not just if you changed, if you repented, if you became a believer, if you this, if you think like I think. No, you're loving. And they have to get through that first before they can receive the truth. That's how Jesus lived. And that's how he calls us to live. That's what he's inviting us into. Another invitation of a different way to live is that he proactively loved his enemies. First Timothy 1, 15 through 17. Here's a trustworthy saying. It deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He said, you know what? God showed his patience in me, as an example to the world, first of all, that he's patient. But then, listen to this line. He showed his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him. An example for us. What's the example? The example is Jesus' patience. His immense patience. So Jesus set an example for us, and he says, this is how I love. This is how I'm going to love Paul. I'm going to love him with this immense patience. Are you watching? Because you're following me. You're close. I'm showing you a different way to live. Watch how patient I'm going to be with this guy. Watch how much I'm going to invest in him before he is really changing, before his whole life turns around. Just watch the patience I'm going to have. And that's an example he's giving to us as we live with other people around us that we are going to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to be patient. I'm not going to look at this person as a project. I'm going to look at them as somebody that I love and care for. I'm doing life with them. We're growing. We're on a journey together. Love God, love people. Live like we mean it. This is something we're doing together. This could take us 20 years, but do you know what? I'm with them. My dad had a guy that worked for him, and the guy was, man, I could tell stories all day, all day about how crazy the guy was. My dad fired him usually a couple times a year. Worked for him for almost 30 years. The guy had all kinds of issues going on. And lots of, like, real issues. <laughs> and the guy was also kind of angry physically. Like, he walked, he was about this tall, silver white hair, silver white beard since he was 25 years old. His hair all turned white. He saw his brother uh, die in a, in, a, in a suicide in his garage. And his whole, everything white, had a, like a heart attack, bleached him out from stress. Like this tall, like really short, like this. And he always walked like this. And he always looked at you through his eyebrows. And that's his whole life. Always. My dad always kept him around. Always cared for him. He got my dad fired off of so many jobs because the guy didn't know how to do a good job. And he did strange stuff. 
One time, my dad said, don't touch this lady's flower bed. She, this is her, every other part of the yard we're doing, do not touch that flower bed. Those are her prized flowers. She's had those forever. Do not touch them. He's like, okay. Next thing you know, he comes back, and the lady's furious. She says, all my flowers are dead. And he goes, what do you mean they're dead? Well, it turns out that this guy had taken the weed eater, cut them all down, realized what he did, picked them all back up, and just shoved the stems into the dirt. (laughs) Pushed the bark dust around them so they'd stand up, and then he just left. Oh, my dad gets fired. Like, all kinds of stuff. It went on for years. But my dad would not fire him. The church that my dad was at said, because he went in for business counseling, and they said, well, first thing you need to do is fire this guy. He's costing you money. He doesn't know how to do the job. And he's getting you fired. My dad said, I'll never fire him. I'm supposed to love the guy. And he's staying with me. After like, literally, like after like 25 years, this guy gives his life to Jesus. And I walk into church one day, and he never went to church. But I walked into church one day, and he was there. And I honestly didn't even recognize him. And I had known him. He was my uncle. Because he had babysitted us. I was around him. I worked with him all the time. I didn't even recognize him. I walk in the door, and there's this guy standing straight up, looking straight out, huge smile on his face, walking around, talking to everybody. And I walk in, I'm like, and he comes up and starts talking to me, and I'm looking at him for a minute, and I'm like, what? And then it's dawning, I can realize, this is him. What has happened to him? Nobody taught him to stand up. Nobody taught him to look at people. Nobody taught him to smile. Nobody taught him to talk to anybody. It was this slowly over time being loved on, loved on, loved on, loved on. It was patience, immense patience. And then, boom, changed. And he only lived like, like another five years or so, and then he actually passed away in an accident. But all that was worthwhile. It changed his whole life. There's a patience that God wants us to have, that Jesus had, that he wants us to model. It's a different way to live. He proactively... Uh, or sacrificially gave his life for unrepented sinners. And I say that on purpose, unrepentant. Because he didn't just give his life for people if they repented. He gave his life regardless. Here's the verse. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not once we got better. While we were still sinners. And sometimes we become believers and we're following Jesus and we mess up and we say, well, I don't know if God loves me anymore. Hello? He loved you when you were totally, completely a mess and didn't even love him at all. When you didn't like him, when you hated him, you didn't believe. Now you're part of his family, you mess up, you know what? He still loves you. And he wants us to love people regardless of whether or not they become a believer or whether or not they're involved in a church or whether or not they ever visit on a Sunday or whether or not they'll come to a Bible study. We're just supposed to love them. And care for him. Matthew 9, 11 through 13, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Fellowship. Not just outreach, fellowship. He's eating with them. He's being with them. Why does he do that? It's not an outreach. Why are you spending time with him? I don't understand. On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. As an example to us on how to love, he invites us in and then he says, follow me closely. I'm going to teach you a different way to live. Love like this. Remember, he's doing all of this in a similar environment to what we live in. Financial hardship, political unrest, all these things going on. 
And he's saying in the middle of all that, when everybody's trying to find solutions, he's like, hey, everybody's eyes are out here. And he goes, just watch. Stay close to me and walk. We're going to do it like this. Well, how, how can you make a difference like that? Aren't you the God of the universe? Like, didn't you make everything? Like, did you have some power? What are you, when are you going to do something? I am. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to walk this out. Just stay close to me. Do this with me. And he still calls us to the same invitation today. A different way to live. Number five, he lived without fear. How many of you have experienced some fear in the last 10 years? That makes it easy for everybody. How about in the last 10 days? Anybody? The last 10 minutes? Yeah, even sitting right here, people are like, fear. It happens. We deal with it. What's going on? Jesus lived without fear, and he models that for us. Jesus knowing all that's going to happen. This is him in the garden. He knows he's going to the cross. He knows all these things are going to happen. He knows the pain, the torment that's about to go down. He knew everything that was going to happen. He walks out to the guards that came looking for him. They didn't have to come find him hiding behind a bush. He walks out to them, and he says, who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, and he said, that's me. There's no fear in that. Trouble was coming to him, to persecution, torment, terrible things. And do you know what he said? He didn't run from it, he didn't hide, he didn't try to point somewhere else. He just said, oh, that's me. I'll take it. Sometimes we're so worried or stressed or fearful and we want to run from whatever torment, problem, struggle, or difficulty we think is coming in life that we're spending all this time being afraid. And Jesus is like, hey, stay close. Watch this. Watch what I do. Look, me. I'll go through the trouble or the struggle. I'm okay. Why? Because he knew what the end outcome was going to be, that he'd be victorious, that it was going to work out. It was okay. And he's modeling for us to know the same thing, that we're okay, that the end outcome we win, that God is with us. If God is for us, who can be against us? He's the alpha and omega, the beginning and the ending, the first and the last. Like, it all comes from him. And we don't have to worry or stress because chips are too expensive to buy. I was going to eat less chips anyway, but I can't have self-control. Dang it, now I can't eat so, and I want them. So bad. Those are real things. Inflation's real. These are real problems. Vote. Do the right things. But the worry, the fear, the stress, he's like, do you know what? Watch how I live. I'm about to go through a major struggle, and I'm not going to fear. I'm just going to present myself to the will of God, and I'm going to walk through it. We can do the same thing because we know on the other side God's for us. Number six, he lived in gratitude and trust. One of my daughters, I went to visit her at work, and she said, Dad, we changed my oil. And I said, I'm here to help you work. And she's like, holds her keys out. Change my oil? Go get it changed? I'm like, you're an adult. You're 21. She got to turn 21 next week. I said, okay, you're 20. You're an adult. She goes, I'm a child of God. And I'm like, give me your keys. And I went and changed the oil. Right? Thanks, Dad. Love you, Dad. Thanks for being a dad. You know, her expectation was simple. You're my dad. You're going to take care of me. Right? How simple. How simple. God's 
desire for us is to be our father and for us to be his children. He wants us to be able to have this simplicity, to be able to do that. Here's how Jesus did it. John 6, 10 through 11. All these people are sitting around, 5,000 people. They need to eat food. There's no food. They find a boy with a lunch. So Jesus steals the kid's lunch. Takes it away. Boom. Grab it. And he says, have everybody sit down. And there's plenty of grass in that place. So the men sat down, 5,000 of them. So there's more than 5,000. That's just the men. These were families, kids, women, and all these people. And now watch what he did. Stressed out, worried, freaked out, argued, wanted to find out who, who messed up the catering. Nope. None of that. He just took the loaves, he took the fish, and gave thanks. That's it. He gave thanks, and then he started distributing it to everybody that was there. Sometimes we get into so much distress about provision or about God taking care of us that it becomes this huge thing. Like, man, I'm, i gotta, I got to keep praying on it. I'm praying it through. I'm praying on it. I'm praying it through. And all these things, and we're stressing and worrying about it. I don't know how we're going to do it. We've got to keep talking about it. We've got to keep working on it. Sometimes there's wisdom and planning and all those things. But we can just go, and we just know it's our Father, and just say, Lord, thank you for providing for me. I don't even know how you're going to do it. I've only got a few fish and a few loaves here. I have no idea how this is going to happen, but thank you. Will you take care of me? Awesome. Jesus modeled that so that we could live that so that somebody that we're close to can see us live that way and go, wow, you must have an awesome God because I'm stressed out. But if we live the same way as the world, then that person in our life that we've been trying to talk to about God or trying to share with and now things are getting hard and they see us panicking and freaking out we're always stressing out about it they're like oh oh I see I see so you have peace with God when things are good and peaceful but when they're rough you don't so really you don't have anything I don't have it's the ability to have peace when things are not there and trust when things are not easy that points, us, points people to God. And he invites us into the same thing. The last point of a different way to live is that he lived, check this out, with wild, Jesus, wild. Listen, I'm going to explain it. We're biblical teaching here. Wild, exuberant joy. Have you ever seen a Jesus movie? Like any Jesus movie? Does he look wild and exuberant and joyful in any of those movies? No, but watch. Hebrews 1.9, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Well, that's joy. Joy isn't happiness. Happiness is all out here and happy. Joy is deep. It's deep. You can look very upset, very distressed, very unhappy and still be full of joy because joy is inside. Here's the actual meaning of the word used in the Bible. Wild, it's agaliasis, which is totally pronounced wrong and nobody cares, but here it is. I tried. Wild joy, ecstatic delight, exultation, exhilaration, exuberant joy, intense joy and gladness. He was anointed with 
wild joy, ecstatic delight, exultation, exhilaration, exuberant joy, intense joy and gladness more than all of his companions. He's walking around knowing, wow, this world is really messed up. These people are horrible. This is nothing like heaven. Man, it's a great day. Woo, bring the kids over. Let's have some, let's have some fun today. Let's heal some people and set some people free. Man, pray. Wow, this is going to be awesome. He's in the middle of the mess bringing healing, bringing peace, bringing trust, showing a different way to live. And he's like, check it out, guys. Come on over. Look. You can trust God. Watch this bread and fish. Look at what you can do. Look how we can love him. Look how we, that's my enemy. Watch this. Give me a hug, guy. He's loving and caring for people. He's touching lepers. Watch. I'm going to get sick from a leper. Watch this. Come here. Touch him. Healed. He's letting people into his life. Hey, that's a prostitute. She can't be near. She can't be in a church setting or around a, a, a preacher or anybody. Do you know what? I'm going to set her free. I'm going to restore her life. I'm going to give her value. And so he walks through these things, but there's joy. There's a reason kids wanted to be where he was at. There's joy. God wants us to walk in joy. Well, how do you do that when you know that the world's all messed up and that the world's full of sin? Well, if the world's all messed up and full of sin, often the way that we respond to it, we, including me, is to just feel angry. That makes me so mad. I can't believe that's happening. I'm so angry. But check out what his response was. He had joy. Why? Because he knows the outcome. He loved righteousness. He hated wickedness. But he knows the outcome. He knows we win. He knows we can set people free. He knows in the end of this, this, even though it feels like a tsunami and a wave of wickedness or horribleness and sin going on, that he wins. We're going to push this back. We're going to win. And there's joy. It's like knowing when you're down 40 points in the fourth quarter, you already know that you win. How fun would that be to play that fourth quarter? It'd be a blast. Your, your opponent's like dancing around on the court, pointing fingers, laughing at you, mocking you, but you know in the back of your mind like we win. Like, I've already been here. I time-traveled back, and I know at the last second, Kyle hits a half-court shot. Bam. Done. Boom. Windmill dunk from the half-court line. A three-point dunk, the first of its kind. I already know that. How fun would it be to play the fourth quarter? It'd be a blast. Well, he's in that environment. He knows he wins. Everything's stacked against him, and he's going to win. So he calls us to repent and think differently, and I'm going to say this. Don't be offended. Sometimes this feels like BS. It just feels like BS. And what I mean by that is Bible stuff. <laughs> That's just a bunch of Bible stuff. It doesn't work in real life. It doesn't work in real life. You can't love your enemies. You can't just have joy. You can't this. You can't that. You can't be patient. You can't do this. You can't just trust God. There's real struggles. This is just Bible stuff. Great on a Sunday, not great on a Monday. Right? But Jesus modeled it as a lifestyle. And he calls us to model it and live it as a lifestyle. Because it does work. Thousands of years later, guess what? They're still talking about him. He's still changing lives. Even though it seems foolish. Romans 1, 16 to 17. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. What's the gospel? The gospel is both his death and resurrection and also his call to repent, think differently, live differently, and to follow 
It's part of the gospel message that he was bringing, the good news. There's another way to live. I'm not ashamed of this because it actually is the power of God to salvation, both on earth and in heaven. It brings us into a different way to live. I know after now 25, what would it be, 20, almost 25 years, 23, 24 years of serving Jesus, I have seen him change lives that were unchangeable. I'm not ashamed of a, a stupid message of loving your enemy, serving others, trusting God, having faith, being patient, doing these things that Jesus did, believing that God's forming out against me. I'm not ashamed because I've seen it change life after life after life after life as God works in and through their life. So let's bow our heads. The question is today, will you accept Jesus' invitation? Will you accept his invitation? Not only will I accept the invitation to, to give him my life and to, and to believe in his death and resurrection, that's fantastic. Most important step. Because he then, by his spirit, gives us the power to live the rest of this out. He begins to work in us, the Bible says, to will and to do according to his good pleasure. He changes it. So first is, will you, will you accept his invitation to believe in him? But second, we accept his, his invitation to live differently and to follow him and to live like he would live and to set that example. Because the world is full of craziness and it needs some people that have a heavenly model to follow. the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.